Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Did you watch Molly last night? A lot of people did, over two million. Was it factually correct, though? Well, we've got John Paul Young on the phone to find out. For the greatest superstars of a generation, you know them because of one man. Mr. Mildrum. Seriously, everyone just calls me Molly. John Paul Young, I can't believe how skinny you were when you were a young fella. Oh, look, I was, but unfortunately it wasn't until after that <laughs> that fall from from the stage that I got strapping again. See, I'd been in Jesus Christ Superstar for two and a half years, right? and I was a little bit pudgy. So I was delighted when the shirt came off last night and revealed the bloke standing there with a six-pack. I thought, yes. Was this the first time you'd seen it, or did you get to see any of the... Yeah, yeah no, 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 that was the first time, yeah. Did you have a bit of the fear when you knew your character was coming up? Really? No. I know a couple of people who were involved in it and, you know, they hadn't thrown any red flags my way, so I think I was okay. A couple of inconsistencies, apparently, on the show, which was the 100th show. It wasn't you that was saying that Molly was under the weather. It was Daryl Braithwaite. Right. But you did punch him. I did. Well, I didn't really. You know, Molly still, to this day, reckons I hit him. Yeah. I threw the left out, but I pulled it, you know. I, yeah. I, I might have touched his nose. And at the same time, with my foot, I went on the rostrum, All right. which made a hell of a noise and frightened the life out of him. And like I said, to this day, he thinks I hit him. This event afterwards where he comes to the after party and gets into oh, a yeah. fight with you, that never happened? No. Right. It, it, it happened with others. Right. He, uh, he, he got into several fights with others. Yeah. And I was ordering a drink, and I could feel this presence behind me and I turned around and I saw him and he was seething and I looked at him and I said what are you going to hit me now are you and he just turned and walked away yeah. <laughs> that's what really happened <laughs> and then he jumped on he jumped on Robbie Weeks's back as they were both leaving the pub but he didn't see the divvy van sitting in the drive-in bottle and the cops got out and had a chat to him and were going to let him go until I got out of the car and said uh uh-uh, uh excuse me I think you should take him away oh, really? the guy's being a pain see they and should so have left that in, in the back. it was me yeah so he was in the divvy van and, and was driven off it was one of the finest moments <laughs> not letting the truth get in the way of a good storyline apart from that I thought yeah. it was fantastic looks like a really fun period of Australian music you guys are having a great time uh, there is no doubt about that there is no doubt at all no we were having a, a ball you know the, the world was our oyster and yeah, it was great right and what's going to happen on the next episode oh I don't no, I haven't seen it. Well, you were there. <laughs> I was there, but, you know, it's kind of like what they used to say about the 60s. If you remember it, you weren't there. Yeah. Was it really that chaotic behind the scenes on Countdown? Yeah, it was at times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was that corridor. They recreated that quite well at the ABC. You know, that was... At times, that was like, a, you know, Central Station, the amount of people up and down and doing this, you know, because, you know, most bands had hangers-on, yeah. you know, and uh, managers and sub-managers and publicity people and everything else. So when you, you know, when you got five or six acts together and they all had another extra four people with them, so you had probably 30 faces running around the backstage that you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it was fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing you again next week. And as people, as I mentioned before, it's a documentary. That really was what he looked like. Yes, yes, tell them that, yeah, especially my stomach. That's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> JPY, good to touch you, man. If you want to see John Paul Young at the Enmore Theatre doing the Vander and Young songbook, that's happening on February 20. And in Melbourne on the 27th at the Crown as well. Have a listen to this guy doing a furniture ad. This is the owner of the store of this furniture store in America. Tell me how scary it would be to get a phone call from this guy to tell you your couch has arrived. Good news for people that have credit problems. Norton Furniture is here for you. Now, seriously... If you can't get credit in my store, you can't get credit anywhere. My name is Mark, and you can count on it. Right. I'm back. Now a cheerful jingle at the end. (laughs) It's Mark and your couch is here. Don't kill me, man. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne in the rubber room with Ugly Phil. I'm going to come down there and bite his f***ing head off.
Mr. Inappropriate, please do the introduction. Well, I've been to Fanny Bay, Montego Bay, hell, I've even had a short stint in Guantanamo Bay. Really? But this is a first for me. Now I'm finally going to James Bay hey. on the good ship, Rubber Room. James Bay, thank you very much for coming into the Rubber Room. Now you got the Brit Awards coming up as well, mate. Um, will you be looking out for you know, other sort of celebrities? Definitely. I do, you know, catch myself looking over my shoulder and going, oh, wow, there's so-and-so. Because I'm kind of a new artist. Uh, yeah. You know, if I'm not going up to them saying I'm a big fan or, you know, gushing a bit about that, then they're coming up and saying, hey, man, nice record. Like, I'm a fan of your stuff, which is wow. bizarre and, and really cool. Of course. Uh, but who's done that? Uh, Mark Ronson was one. Wow. Um, it was, I remember the, the Brit Awards I went to, Ed Sheeran, uh, the first time I met him, I was doing an interview and somebody sort of knocked me on the shoulder, on the elbow, and, and I turned to see that it was Ed going, hey, man, nice to meet you. He just sort of parked his interview and and sort of more importantly wanted to or so it seemed say hey I'm a fan of music nice to meet you well I think there's like two levels really there's the acceptance level which you know obviously everybody wants to aspire to which is where you're a Noel Gallagher or a Roger Daltrey and you just yeah. sort of head into the Brits and everybody says hello to you and everybody knows yeah. who you are but then there's the the period before that the networking level where you go in there and it's great to be one of their peers but at the same time it's like mm, Mark Ronson I'd like to work yeah. with you do you know what I mean you yeah. kind of look around the room and go who in here oh Adele do you Wet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you end up, you're still climbing the ladder. You're still climbing the ladder and all that stuff. It's a funny world when you've spent your life listening to records and, you know, digging deep into the who's who of music and pop music and you've been watching all those award shows and suddenly to be sort of standing in a room with these people and I suppose as one of them, surreal situation, you know. Has one of your songs ever come on the radio and you've sung along? I haven't burst out singing along to my own songs yet on the radio. Because right. that would um, be okay if you're on your own. It's um, surprisingly awkward. Like when you're in a taxi or something yeah. and the song comes on, the, you know, the driver's just got the radio on and your song comes on and you know that he doesn't know it's you. You know it's you. It's very strange because you're in a very confined space with someone you don't actually know yeah. listening to the radio that everyone in the country or the world hears. And, and of course you're hanging there. on for him to sing along with it and just well, going, oh, gee, please don't change the station, whatever you do. There's <laughs> <laughs> it, this, this, this tiny, tiny sense of glee. That, uh, oh my God, this is me on the radio. I don't want to tell this guy because I don't want to seem like a big head. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I also, it's pretty exciting. So yeah. Well, if you had nice. a couple of, to drink and you had a bit of Dutch courage, you then could take it to the step of either A, singing along, um, B, or B, go, do, do you like this song? I'd love that. If they go, yes, terrible, really not, really. That's the danger. That'd be great. Yeah, you sort of, oh, that's shite. Probably, I'd probably agree with him. I'd probably just go along with him and go, yeah, I hate that guy. God, he sucks. Yeah. Yeah, but then he might start defending you in front of you, against you, for you. Now, that's there's a television then, show in there, I think. Then, then we're getting deep. Yeah, that'd be great. Some sort of candid camera in the back. Was there a moment, James, where you had an epiphany where you realised that you were all that? I think, really, as, as gigs started to sell out and yeah. sell out faster. You know, there was a, there was a tour, one of my favourite tours at the end of last year, or ever, was um, from sort of September to October through the UK, and we did two nights in Dublin and Ireland as well. It's a September-October tour, and it sold out in, like, February. The whole thing just went. We did three nights in London, two nights in Manchester. You know, suddenly I was doing multiple nights yeah, sure. in certain cities and, and all of that stuff. So it's, yeah, I wasn't used to that then, and that was when the sort of the penny sort of dropped that things were going pretty right. I guess I'm half decent at this. Whenever you come on, the ladies love you. Oh, is that right? Love you, man. Like they, <laughs> oh, No, seriously. You know, because we're playing a bit of Led Zeppelin and you've got a bit right. of Black Sabbath and then you come right. on and then all of a sudden, turn it up and singing along. No, oh, You're well. the new Tom Jones, man. Oh, great. That's a, oh, finally, it's worked. <laughs> I've nailed it. I can tell Tom. He'll go, I'm the new. That's not unusual. That was pretty accurate. Perhaps yeah. maybe we should have gone a bit Barry White too because, you know, the... Barry White. Now, you've Barry done... Yeah, look, between the two of us. We could have this. We could. <laughs> so, do you ever see stars in their eyes? Yes, of course. There you go. We start a new series. We could double act. I'll be Tom. You be Barry. Great. But that's a duet that never happened. That should have, isn't it? Ugly Phil and James Bay as Tom Jones and Barry White. Ooh, they'll never do it. Be bloody rubbish. <laughs> it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. Hello, baby. There you go. Drops the mic. <laughs> Walks out, yeah. Wow. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, man. Uh, I can't no wait to see what the next 12 months are going like, to bring yeah, for you as hey, well. Me too, me too. You know, all these crazy award shows in a couple of weeks' time. And then, mm. I don't know, we'll, we'll carry on regardless. We'll keep touring. I've got marches filled up in Europe. Going back to America a couple of times. And I look forward to whenever it is I get to come back to Australia. Gazzo's here. So, um, Stone Temple Pilots are auditioning online for a new lead singer. 
It's a bit in excess, isn't it? <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah, it's rock star all over again. Well, look, you know, they haven't had the best luck with their lead singers. I mean, uh, rest in peace, Scott Weiland, who we lost in December. And uh, Chester Bennington's been filling in for Scott over the last couple of years of Linkin Park fame, but he's left the band now to concentrate on Linkin Park. So there's a vacancy. Anyone who fancies themselves, you know, singing Vaseline at the top of their lungs might want to audition. I was watching a guy doing some karaoke. Look, he might be the one. What do you think about that guy then, huh? Well, he hasn't got a chance. Look, I don't think anyone will ever replace Scott Wyland, but uh, look, good luck to anyone who does. Leaving on a Friday afternoon. Only thing you got to do is figure out the lyrics of Plush, which don't make (laughs) sense for anyone. I just noticed at news.com.au, Matt LeBlanc has been talking about a period after he left Friends and he had the spin-off, Joey, but that was cancelled. He said that he spent years living in a depressive state. He said, for years and years, I barely left the house because I was just completely burnt out. Uh, but he's okay now and he's doing well, and I think he's going to be one of the hosts of Top Gear as well. But I was asking Matt LeBlanc, he told me that he was once um, in a show with Alanis Morissette. It was when she was just called Alanis. She used to be like... Uh that's real bubblegum pop. Because there's a lot of stuff that you did um, that people may not have known. You uh, made a cameo in Red Shoe Diaries in The Elevator. Yeah, the, yeah. You did uh, Vinny and Bobby and Top of the Heap. They were TV shows, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I was a lead character in both of those. You did uh, TV 101 as well. That was one of your first projects, That wasn't was it? my first project other than my uh, television commercial. That was my first series. It seems to be more competitive now than uh, in the history of uh, sitcom TV in America. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I think that there's just more talented people getting involved with television than used to be. It used to be uh, television had this stigma about it that it was always like second rate. I think that's, uh, those walls are coming down now. I think that there's really good quality stuff on TV and there's you know, some of it better than some of the shit movies. Do a lot of people confuse you with Joey a lot? Do you get that more than Matt? A lot of people ask me if it's really, I can't tell if it's an insult or a compliment, but people have asked me if I'm that stupid, which I, I don't quite know how, to, if, how I should take that. Well, that means you're acting really well. I guess it's a compliment. There you go. Matt LeBlanc. Are you really stupid? Can you believe people would actually ask him that? Just recreate the conversation you had a moment ago. You know when you have one of those conversations with somebody and the other person doesn't really know what you're talking about, but you don't really know what they're talking about? So someone called up and they said, what about the bunyip? And I was like... Bunyip! Bunyip! What's the bunyip? Bunyip! <laughs> and then he said, I don't know what the bunyip is. And he didn't know like, it either. Why are you calling me to tell me to ask me something that I don't know and then you don't know? It was a very confusing conversation. Someone has stolen around $50,000 worth of bull semen. The uh, tanks containing the prized ejaculate. Oh, hang on a second. Gee, there's a phrase I didn't know I was going to utter today. Prized ejaculate. Wow. (laughs) When you're having a drink tonight, you know, somebody says to you, what do you want? I want you to say, I'll have the prized ejaculate. Anyway, the tanks containing the prized ejaculate uh, was stolen from the back of a farm truck in California. The genetics of these bulls that they have in them is one of the top percent of the world populations of bulls, said the farm owner, John Azevedo. Farmers extract the highly valued semen from the bulls around two to three times a week and then ship it off to other farms for cattle to be artificially impregnated, which brings us to this. There's got to be a punchline. What's the punchline? <sighs> All right, so... Thieves steal $50,000 worth of bull semen. The cops say, we never saw that coming. Oh, brilliant. Hey, yeah, what, what, what have you got? Um, the police said it was a knockoff. A knockoff? That was quite clever. What have you got? What's the punchline on the bull semen? What's the punchline? How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Phil. How are you, mate? So thieves steal $50,000 worth of bull semen. They blew it. <laughs> I had to think about that for a sec. Reminded me of my single days. <laughs> Daniel, how are you? Good, mate. Yourself? What do you got? The cops said that the thieves came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. There it is. Thank you. Scott, how are you? What have you got on the bull semen? Hey, the angle is jacked up. <laughs> how are you, Jason? Good, mate. How you going? What have you got? Uh, industry insiders say that it's a real blow to the industry. Blow to the industry. Joe! Yeah, one of the policemen said, that's a load of bulls! Bulls! Pull the other one! 
Hello, Heather, what have you got for us? Well, the cops said it was a bit of a hot, sticky mess. What are you doing Saturday night? <laughs> Matt! Oh, that's a whole load of bull. Andrew, what have you got for us? Police believe the crime was done by hardened criminals. Hardened criminals! Let's hope they get a stiff sentence. <laughs> Hello, Michael. That story's just a whole lot of bull sack. Hello, Jake. Oh, I just wonder how the uh, thieves pulled that one off. Thank you. No worries, Phil. If you're having trouble with your dog or your pet, there's only one man who can solve your problems. That's Peter Kane, the dog man from New York City. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm doing real good, Phil. How the f*** are you? Do you want to speak to Wolf? Sure. Dog man, Wolf, 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 dog man. Hi, dog man. What's up, Wolf? How you doing, man? I'm good. So, Wolf, what's the problem? And obviously it's not you, although it could be. No, no, it's the hairy children. I've got two. One of them's 10 years old. She's a, get this, Maltese crossed with a Mastiff. Did you say a Maltese crossed with a Mastiff? That's what I did. All right, okay. You know, mate, where there's a will, there's a way, and he was keen and she laid down. Absolutely. It's possible to breed a Chihuahua and a Great Dane, I guess, you know, okay. Would it be possible then, Wolf, that your dog is suffering from tall puppy syndrome? Well, I think that. Come on. Um, Was that wasted on everybody then? Mate, she is a dead set 55 kilo who thinks it's a Maltese lap dog. The problem is that we have another dog too. It's seven months old and it's a Rottweiler crossed with a Shepherd. And um, in the last two weeks, very out of her nature, she started being very growly at him and, you know, and the housemate and that sort of thing. Just totally out of character for her, 100%. How old is this dog that's growling? He's 10. Who's it growling at? Strangers? or She started growling at the pup. And... He's growling at the puppy, too. Yeah. The dog that you're talking about, the 10-year-old, wants to be dominant, and it's hardwired to be dominant, but it, it has a younger dog. You know, it doesn't really matter the size of the younger dog, but... The younger dog is probably sending signals that it wants to be in charge. So it's sort of a normal behavior that your older dog is growling at the puppy, but it's an unwanted behavior. Does that make sense? You don't want the dog to do that, so you're going to tell the dog no. But you really have to watch the dog. You know, this could end up being a, a big dog fight. So I really recommend that watch your dog. If your dog's like staring at the walls or doing anything like that, if it's acting really unusual, it might have age-related dementia. But I really recommend that you step up training with the dog and start working with the dog interacting with it and the problem is is you really can't interact with the dog when it's out there in the backyard hey woof woof have a great day brother take it easy thanks dog man thanks ugly give everybody the details of your youtube site because people want to get on there and they want to know what's going down peter kane dog training on youtube hey man always a pleasure yeah i'll see you phil so who rang up Blind Ray and uh, Buddha just rang to say hello. Blind Ray and Buddha. They sound like a couple of characters from Clerks. Like Silent Bob and Jay. Yeah, no, it wasn't them. It was Blind Ray and Buddha. And what are they doing tonight? Oh, they've just gone off together. Does what they're going to do together involve an orchy bottle? No comment. Yeah, I figured as much. Whenever I get off the train, there must be this new thing about people that come up to you with clipboards and they want to ask you a question, you know. All the time. They're usually like um, backpackers as well. Uh, excuse me, mate. You know, like save the whale, save the something or other. But now there seems to be some kind of new trend of uh, insurance people. Like this guy keeps coming to me every time I get off the train. And he goes, excuse me, mate, have you had an accident? And I think it's to do with trying to get me to perhaps get some kind of insurance thing. This has happened every day now for a couple of weeks. And today I'd had enough. Excuse me, mate. Have you had an accident recently? What, like today? Yeah, today or any day, really. I've worked for a company and we help file claims for anyone that's had an accident in the workplace, on the road, in the home, anywhere, really. Over what period, though? Probably over the last three years or so. Yeah, well, I did. I kind of had one accident, but but it sort of started as a result of a series of events that turned into something that wasn't my fault, though. Tell me more. If it wasn't your fault, tell me. It was a dog bite. A dog bite? Yeah. Wasn't my fault though. Tell me more about this. This could lead to a bit of cash for you. Do you think I could claim on something? Yeah, sure. The owner might be to blame, so give me the story. 
Okay, well, it was about two and a half years ago, and I was home when I was opening a packet of chips with a pair of scissors when a bee landed on my leg. As I bent down to swipe it, I accidentally stabbed myself in the stomach with the scissors, so I ran into the kitchen to grab a bottle of water, but it was on the bench. I wanted to splash it on the cut, but I accidentally grabbed a bottle of bleach instead. So I splashed that on, and that made it burn, so that made me jump back. And as I did that, I got some in my eyes, yeah. and it temporarily blinded me. So I thought, well, i better get to the hospital as quickly as I can. So I was hurrying up to get dressed, and... I pulled on my shirt, and but I got my hand caught in the sleeve and dislocated my finger, and then I slipped okay. backwards on the polished floor, and I landed and twisted my knee, and because my knee was hurt, I couldn't go up the stairs to get my shoes yeah, on. I yeah. grabbed a pair of my girlfriend's shoes, but they were boots, and they were a bit too tight, and that made it difficult for me to drive the car. Uh, so as I was driving, because I couldn't change gears because of my girlfriend's yeah. boots, I drove into the back of a van that was carrying cactuses to a garden nursery and they spilt out on the road and as I got out to help pick them up I pricked my finger uh, and I screamed out in pain and I freaked out and that freaked the guy's dog out that was sitting in the back of the van and it bit me so can I claim for that? Wow! Is that true? No, of course it isn't mate I haven't had any accidents and don't ask me again tomorrow I won't Alright Mr Inappropriate please introduce our next guest You can't say the c*** on the radio ugly Do you know how many rules we'll break if I say here's the no, uh, Mr. Inappropriate, it's the cult. <laughs> the, the cult? I thought it was the cult. No, no, the cult. Okay, that makes sense. Here they are in the rubble room. The cult. No, the cult. Sorry, the cult. Hi, so this is Nora. I'm calling uh, for the interview with Ian Astbury. Thank you very much. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, Phil. How are you? I'm very excited about the new album. In fact, I played Deeply Ordered Chaos the other night, and I went back and had a look at the video as well. What an interesting song that is. Deeply Ordered Chaos, you know, it's interesting because while we were making the video clip, we were writing a treatment for it, and we were about to start putting it together. We have a lot of images, really dystopian images of what was happening in... Africa, East Europe, you know, the Middle East, intercut with images of Syrian refugees. I wanted to have a counterweight to it, something that's counter to it. So that's why we chose the images of the snow leopard and deep space. And um, we wanted to have something that's a counterbalance to that kind of total dystopian, that with just a bombardment that's coming through the media. You know, deeply ordered chaos is kind of a reference to the cycle that we're in right now. It seems like it's an accelerated volatility that's really exasperated by environmental situations. We've never been in a situation where we're actually human beings have been, our existence is threatened by our environment being polluted. Yeah. We've never been in this situation before. We've had wars and we've had, you know, disruptive changes in governments and politics and social and religious ide- ideologies and all that kind of thing. But we've never been in a situation where, at our own hands, for me, observation of how impactful it can be in our daily lives, uh, changing environments. The title came from a philosophy of a painter. Actually, I saw the Gallery of New South Wales. I was a uh, an exhibit of um, Francis Bacon. Yes, very dark um, imagery. It was scary, I think, for a lot of working-class folk to kind of hear these ideas that were shaking up their world. But now I think a lot of working-class people are feeling the, the pressures of, you know, the change in consumerism, the change in the work, you know, oh, work totally. ethic. Yeah, totally. How do you oh. Man, it's so good to talk to you. Again, you continue to, you know, innovate music, but also to be one of the finest vocalists in rock as well. So it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And we're really looking forward to it. We're trying to get work on dates uh, coming to Australia really soon. So Last tour you did here, I think two years ago, people are still talking about that. We've got an Aussie bass player now. I have Australian family. And um, so it's like homecoming for us. And we've got a new band. We have a keyboard player. I'm in a much better place creatively you can hear that man i'll keep in touch um we'll see when the tour dates oh. happen and then when you get down here we'll catch up and have a chat face to face perfect i'll love to come in see you phil all right hey steve what's up man hey just wondering um you got any crazy ideas for a valentine's present that i could give my fiance uh scratchy <laughs> scratchy mate i actually got it that last time and uh, apparently it didn't go down that well oh, hang on a second i know who knows something sammy x come in here quickly Tell him about the penis tuxedo. The penis Ooh. tuxedo is pretty much what you would imagine it to be. It's a tuxedo that is made for a man's penis. Oh, that sounds like it would go down well. <laughs> yeah, so it's a present for everybody. It's a present for you, obviously, because if she's, you know, looking at your tuxedo, then it might mean yeah. that there's a celebration. 
And it's obviously a celebration for her because you've gift-wrapped the most important thing in her life. Yeah. So where could I go about finding one of these penis tuxedos? I'll put you back to Sammy X. You can tell him about the penis tuxedo. All right, look, I'm glad you mentioned it. We're going to be doing a chat with the company tomorrow night. Or maybe we can get a free penis tuxedo for Steve. If I can get you a... Do you want a free penis tuxedo? (laughs) If you could actually arrange something like that, that would be the best thing on the planet. You're actually the second person that's asked me if I could get them a free penis tuxedo. Yeah, I wanted one as well. I wanted the small man's one, unfortunately. (laughs) Shut up, both of you. Compensating, of course, Phil. Yeah, well, you know, cold where I live. It's a cold suburb. A lot of cold winds. Cold. Shrinkage, you know. It gets bigger, all right? It's the cold weather, Jerry! It was shrinkage, Jerry! Don't do drugs, kids. It's very bad for you. But Timothy Leary, back in the 60s, he was a Harvard professor, and he was messing around with LSD, or the properties of LSD, and people like Jack Kerouac used to hang around at his house, and Allen Ginsberg as well, and they almost had, like, some kind of program going for it. So it's actually a birthday or an anniversary of LSD. Again, don't do it, kids. Very bad for you. Although, if a birthday comes around, a happy birthday is always in order, I think. Don't do it, kids. So an email from Jeff. Hey, ugly. My friends told me that this guy rang up the rubber room last year and uh, he had the wrong number and you took the piss out of him. Could you play it again? I think... Uh, yes. Uh, hi, is Amy there, please? Amy? Uh, yeah. Hang on, I'll just check. Hold on. Amy! Amy! Phone call for you! I don't know! Some guy! I don't know! I'll find out. What's your name? Paul. He says his name's Paul! I don't know! Who? Hang on. Are you sure it's not David? No, Paul. No, it's not David. He says his name's Paul. I don't know. Why don't you just come and talk to him? Does she know you? Yeah, met her a couple of weeks ago. You met her a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. He says he's met you a couple of weeks ago. Oh, can't you just talk to him? Do you have a Hawaiian shirt? No, I don't. No, no, no. No, he doesn't have a bloody Hawaiian shirt. Look, I'm going to go out. All right. Can you call her back later when you've got a Hawaiian shirt? Yeah, okay. Yep. Incredible, incredible how many wrong numbers we get here at Triple M. If you really want to know what's going on in the world and you've got a spare five minutes, go on Craigslist. Have a look through Craigslist at some of the stuff there. Like a woman who's looking for someone to dress up like a cat and purr while she sleeps. She's looking for a nighttime watcher. She's going to pay for you to come along, but you've got to be wearing a cat costume and you've got to walk on all fours and you've got to purr her to sleep. Here's more weird stuff She's on the phone. Hello, how are you? I'm really well, how are you? Had many replies to your ad so far? Uh, no, not many. Really? To be okay. Yeah. So you're looking for someone to dress up as a cat and look after you while you're asleep, is that right? Yeah, so I'm really just after someone that's going to dress up like a cat. Um, I really want someone to watch over me while I sleep. Um, right. You know, I'm happy to pay them like $60 an hour. I think really? that's reasonable. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just love that. Her when I'm trying to go to sleep. Right, so you need them to wear a cat costume, is that right? Yeah. You want them to turn up in the cat costume? Well, I prefer, like, when I answer the door that they'd be down on all fours ready to, you know, assume the position, for lack of a better phrase. Is this a sexual thing? No, 
no, no, no. It's a right. comforting thing. Like, it will help me relax and sleep. Okay. And I read that you're also going to provide the person with some sustenance as well. Yes, I'm happy to provide milk and tuna um, at different stages throughout the day or depending when they are. So, yeah, I think a bowl of milk and a supply of tuna would be fair. And I'll also let them use um, my bathroom as well. I'm happy to do that. But only after you've been asleep for two hours. Well, the reason is I don't want to wake up and find the room empty. Right, so if you've been asleep for a couple of hours, that'll be okay. Yeah, for sure. That makes perfect sense to me. All right, and you want them to purr while you're asleep. Yeah, I just think it's really comforting, and like I mentioned, it really relaxes me. I'm going now. This is getting too weird. Weird stuff on Craigslist! When I spoke to the woman about wanting somebody to be her cat, it wasn't so that you would ring me up and go, I'll do it. Martin, what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm just looking for work and I'm thinking I can purr really, really well and I love cats and I'm thinking I'm a good option. So you think you could dress up as a cat and purr and walk around this woman's house, but she doesn't pay very much money and by the sound of it, you don't sound like someone that likes tuna. Fresh tuna. I love sashimi, sushi. I mean, I love tuna. What else do I need to do? Well, that's it, really. Just purr like a cat. What about, listen, tomorrow night I'm going to speak to a guy from Craigslist who wants someone to chase him down the street. Maybe you could do that. In a cat costume? I can do that. I don't think he's got any prerequisites. Okay, well, I'll put you up and see what happens. <laughs> What's going on, Joe? I'm uh, just applying for the job for the cat bloody person, mate. This isn't the cat purring employment agency. Well, that's the one I'm looking for because I'm over being a crack filler, mate. You do sound like you could be a bit of an elderly cat, though. Yeah, well, you know, we still all need uh, pampering. No, well, she doesn't want to pamper you. She needs you to pamper her. How agile are you? Hey, mate, I've still got it, mate. I don't need Viagra. Could you jump from the roof to the tree? Hey, at 60 an hour, I'll do it. (laughs) That's what I like about people like you, Joe. You're keeping Australia working. All right, let's get to this. You're walking down the street in the middle of the city, the middle of the day, Sandy X, and some elderly gentleman comes up to you and says to you, what? Um, He wasn't elderly. He was sort of middle-aged, and he asked me if I knew anywhere that would sell silk pyjamas for his wife. See, and like, okay, was he in a suit? No, he was in um, a T-shirt. How old would you say he was? Late 40s. Overweight? Skinny? Slightly overweight. Uh, Okay. Seedy-looking, sweaty, balding? Uh, Yes. All of the the above. Okay, so I think we've already answered the question, which is the question, if a guy comes up to you in the middle of the street and he asks you if he can find somewhere, if you can tell him where to get silk pyjamas for your wife, whether or not that's being polite or perverted, I think the answer is perfectly clear. The guy was obviously being a bit perverted. It's like, you know, those people that like to look at feet. It's foot fetish stuff. I'm on the fence about it. I'm not sure. No! One, triple, three, five, three. I mean, I may be wrong. He may just be, it just may be an innocuous thing. He may have just been seen you in the street, an attractive girl, and thought, maybe she'll know where I can get silk pyjamas oh pervert one triple three five three (laughs) so as i mentioned before sammy x walking through the streets when somebody says to her middle-aged man do you know where i can buy some silk pyjamas for my wife is that weird or is that just innocent dave not bad chill how are you all right so i gave the description before and i kind of pegged it straight away when i said uh middle-aged guy perhaps slightly overweight slightly balding slightly sweaty wearing a t-shirt asking sammy x in the middle of the day in the middle of the city where he could go and get some silk pajamas for his wife (laughs) that is a bit weird yeah do you think that he's maybe like a foot fetishist where they like to go up to women and see their feet but in this case he gets off on asking women where he can get silk pajamas he must have something going on hey michael I don't know, I'm at a bit of a crossroads. In some ways, he probably is a bit of a pervert. Hmm. But um, in other ways, he's, he's probably, you know, doing himself a favour. Imagine if he's looking online and his missus comes up, sees him looking at lingerie. Oh, I see where you're going with this, right? So it's probably better and safer, happy wife, happy life, if he doesn't look online for pyjamas, but then he could just look in shop windows. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're becoming too politically correct. I mean, a guy looks in a shop window and then... Who knows yeah, but what surely that's more politically correct than going up to someone in the street and saying, excuse me, do you know where I can get some silk pyjamas for my wife? There's an important question we have to ask first. Is she hot? Sammy X or his wife? Both. I mean... (laughs) What have you got in mind? (laughs) If she's hot, ask her. If not, well, okay, maybe go for the show. So now you're talking about political incorrectness. Are you saying that you can't (laughs) ask unattractive women where you can get silk pyjamas? Look at the corner you've got us both into. (laughs) Where's it go from here? I have no idea. Let's just both hang up. (laughs) Bye. 
So when I'm sitting at home after work and I've got nothing to do and there's nothing on TV, I've become a bit of a serial pest at ringing a particular talkback radio station and the talkback guy, Greg. So I rang last week just to see if I could get on the air. And it was after midnight, so he didn't have many callers. And I said that I was upset because the garbage collectors in my area were collecting garbage, but one of them wasn't wearing gloves and he was spreading germs. And I thought, and I got on the air and I talked to him about it, and I thought, there's no way that this guy's going to let me back on again. I just must come up on their phone line as random nuisance caller. So I thought I'd come up with an idea that I want to stop people smoking in my entire suburb and see if I can get on the air. And I did. Here we have uh, Phil on the line. Hello and good morning, Phil. Morning, Greg. I rang you a week or so ago about garbage collectors uh, ah, not yeah. wearing gloves in, in my area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember only too well, Phil, only too well. Yeah, yeah. I'm just something else that's really bothering me, and I know that you know this is the show to do it, um, the people smoking in my suburb. And I'd like to try and make my suburb smoker-free, and that means nobody in their houses, in the back gardens, even cars driving through the suburbs are not allowed to smoke. Look, Phil, yeah. a, real, uh, a real curse on the Australian population, the smoking. Yeah, uh, however, I think, uh, I think you might find it a, a little a bit point. hard to enforce these kind of things. I like where you're well, coming from. I like your like, idea. You know how they have the nuclear-free zone? Maybe they could have smoking-free zone if you come through the suburb I live in, which I don't want to give the suburb away because I don't want to be ostracised yeah. by, you know, my neighbours. It's a veritable it's ashtray from what you're telling me, Phil. Yeah, well, just people smoking. I don't want to be subjected to smoking in my suburb. So make my entire suburb smoke-free. That means in your house, in your garden, on the street. So what you're saying to me in saying to the listener, you're no saying smoking. there's no smoking. If you had your way in yeah. your suburb whatsoever, you'd outlaw it. You'd run yeah. it by council. Find them. Them. You'd yeah, find yeah, them. The council would find them, but people standing on the Oh, look, mate, I think you might they're... find that a little too hard to enforce with all the no, bloody well, do-gooders no. we've got out there these days. No, but then I pay taxes, and maybe then, you know, like, my suburb would be smoke-free. Smoke where you want. Smoke in Armadale. Smoke wherever you feel like. Q-Dale. No ifs or buts <laughs> about yeah, it, if you'll exactly pardon me. Where I'm coming from, Greg. I do, mate. Thanks for your call, and uh, good luck with that one. And uh, let me know how it goes. Anyway, we'll take a short station break. <laughs> Roses of red. Cut me off. So, I mean, can I get on again? What am I going to ask him? I, I don't know. Can you think of anything stupid I should... I think that you should ask something uh, ridiculous about parking. Parking. Anybody else? One triple three five three. If I can get back on air on his talkback show for a third time or more, it's got to be even more ridiculous than the garbage collector that doesn't wear gloves and stopping smoking in my entire suburb. What's a ridiculous scenario? And I'll see if I can get away with it. I can't believe that you're as bad a prankster as I am, ringing up this poor overnight guy in the talkback station and coming up with ridiculous scenarios. However, Kerry, you've got one for me. I think maybe you should ask for next a dog-free suburb because you're sick of dog poo on your nature strip. Dog-free, but I'll find a particular one that I don't like as well, especially Maltese. Oh, yeah, I have one of those, but I pick my dog poo up, but I see a lot on the nature strips that people don't pick up. Or maybe I could do this too. Maybe I could say that one day every week, somebody that doesn't have a dog in the suburb has to pick up the dog shit. That would be good. Good work, Shopping Carrie. Appreciate that. Thank you. What do you reckon, Jack? I reckon that people should start wearing clothes in the shower. Clothes in the shower to wash their clothes and to try and sort out the drought situation for the poor farmers because they always go on about that. (laughs) Fantastic. Good call, Jack. Justin emailed through to say that you want the intersection in the front of your house moved because the red light camera flashes at night and (laughs) shines in your room and keeps you awake. Fantastic. Mike! G'day, Phil. I reckon that you should call in to restrict all motor vehicles. All motor all, vehicles? Yep. In... All straw and carts only. Fantastic. Yep. And yep. they you could know, use... You've got to reduce that carbon footprint. You reduce the carbon footprint, use the horse manure to fertilise medical marijuana. Absolutely. Ha! Frank, what's your suggestion here? Well, you've got the the old annoying barking dogs. Yes. Or the uh, the cats that people don't like to keep in their house at nights yeah. that go along and wee on your veranda. The crazy woman that lives in the suburb should be allowed to have all the cats. I don't want them to wee on my veranda. That's exactly right. If they do, then she gets fined and loses her house. Paul, we're workshopping here. What do you think? Well, I think you should do something about the sperm bank. So you've made a donation and you want to try and get it back somehow. <laughs> 
I don't like the idea that it could go to someone that I don't want to be artificially inseminated with my sperm. And, yeah. you know, and I want it back. Yeah, yeah, tell him you'll think of something, Phil. I will. Thanks, Paul. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, thanks, ugly Phil. Backyard pool. Everybody with a backyard pool has to fill it in. If they don't want to fill it in, then they've got to have a licensed, uh, fully trained lifeguard on premises yes. anytime there's a child there. Fantastic. Uh, plus, they also have to have a defibrillator available at the home, and someone at the home has to uh, have. St John's Ambulance uh, training and, on how to use the defibrillator. And martial arts training. <laughs> so throw that in, all right? Love it. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? So how about collecting the rubbish um, after 12 o'clock so I don't get woken up? Only rubbish collected after midday, only in streets that begin with P. <laughs> Brilliant. Can you believe all these people? Everyone's got great ideas. Yeah, just they're making me do this. I don't want to. It's... Uh, the voices, not even in my head, but on the radio. You've got a couple to... of weeks' worth of material there. <laughs> totally. All right, well, before we get to the penis tuxedo, and I know you're beside yourself needing to get this for your loved one for Valentine's Day, and that's incredibly romantic of you, too. I applaud that. That's very chivalrous of you. But before we do that, uh, it was Stephen that rang up last night wanting to know what he can get his girlfriend for Valentine's Day, and I said a scratchy card because I was just, you know, just being a... Stupid. Anyway, found out that he was very interested in the penis tuxedo. So he said he would have a chat with the penis tuxedo guy, but he was unavailable when I rang him. However, he did leave a message on his voicemail for all of us. G'day, Rich. Steve, if this is the guy that has uh, invented the miraculous penis tuxedo, I would love to hear back from you, and I'm very sorry that I missed your call. Just a note, as it would perfectly fit my Valentine's Day needs, um, it's going to have to be a custom job. I'm quite girthy, normal length, of course. But quite good indeed. So a custom job, some sort of weird chode sort of size. Um, thank you very much, Sammy, Phil. You guys are amazing. Uh, cock tuxedo guy. I just love everything about you. Thank you. Brilliant. I left Stephen a message. I said it's Phil at Triple M. I said, dude, where are you? But here's what I'm thinking, right? Imagine if his mother-in-law rang up his phone. <laughs> and she heard that message. Get down. And can we just please put this into some kind of perspective? It's the penis tuxedo, and yet people are going crazy for it. Sammy X's friend, Leia, she's like, when's it on? And you're a professional woman. And Edgy, the engineer, you're an engineer, dude. Hey, ugly, when's the uh, penis tuxedo on? All right, it's on now. And Stuart's on the phone. And the company's called Lilo. I really don't like being without my penis for too long. It makes me feel like less of a man. And I really hate having to sit down every time I take a leap. Hey, Stuart, good to talk to you, mate. We've had loads of interest for this. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Let's go back to where this originated from, from the Opalgi Mountain region of Croatia, where the penis sheaths, as they initially were known, were knit by the wives of shepherds and horsemen embarking on long <laughs> journeys to help their husbands tolerate the freezing cold. That's right, yeah, many hundreds of years, apparently. At that time in history, it was very, very cold. We were experiencing like, a very short um, freeze across the whole of Europe. So these products knitted by their wives, the horsemen and the shepherds and the traders would have to wear them, you know, many, many layers to protect themselves from the cold. Right. And very slowly, these products, they kind of moved across the north of uh, north of Europe into Scandinavia. They were brought to the Scottish islands by possibly by the Vikings, we're not absolutely sure. And before it uh, arrived in Scotland, where, as we know, the sheath was made from the neck of yak, uh, it was originally used from the pelt of oxen was the initial fabric. Okay, yeah, I'm sure they used whatever they, whatever was on hand. Yeah, I'm just embellishing him, man. <laughs> We're actually a Swedish company. We have a headquarters in Stockholm, but oh. uh, I'm talking to you from Shanghai at the moment, yeah. Wow, I can't believe how far the penis has stretched. <laughs> I've had a lot of people interested in the penis tuxedo. It's a great thing for Valentine's Day. It's the slip-on one piece. It has a smart black bow tie and an adorable red rose that come with it. That's right, yeah. It, uh, it really is the full outfit. Of course, and with the rose, of course, hence the expression, every rose has its thorn. <laughs> the stretchy cord that slips comfortably around the male undercarriage, because I don't want to use any euphemisms here in this isn't that kind of show. It really is a one-size-fits-all. It has an elasticated band to, to keep it securely in place however you choose to wear it, you mm. know, if I can put it in those terms. Of course, and what a um, wonderful and romantic gift for the woman in your life as well. I mean, that's really sensitive and caring that the male would go that far for her. 
Well, that's right. We kind of that's actually really where the idea for this product started. Was that like now and then we sit down and we have these big creative meetings where we throw around crazy ideas and occasionally something sticks. And yeah. one of the things that we just realised was that there is a whole multi-billion-dollar industry built around sexy apparel for for women. But really, really, nothing exists that's sexy for guys. The products that are on the market at the moment, especially in the UK and Scotland, where these products are still very, very popular, they tend to be a little bit silly and a little bit wacky and fun. They can't belittle something like this. That's like saying <laughs> Stephen Hawkins' lifetime work amounted to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, and we kind of picked it up and ran with it, and we decided that it's it's kind of only fair that uh, that men have something smart that they can put on, smart, sexy, funny, to you know express themselves in the bedroom. Now, I've come up with three different colours for you. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like either the black girth, <laughs> okay, the red hot poker. Or for those days when it's a little bit cold, the grey shrinkage. <laughs> I'll make sure that I mention that at the next meeting. I was thinking about maybe accessorising it with a monocle. That might really work if you think about it. Well, of course, there's only one eye, right? Oh, there it had to hit that gutter eventually. How do people get in touch and how can we get some of these in Australia? You can find us at halo.com. If the glove fits, wear it. If the glove fits, I ain't the kind of pussy to drink it. <laughs> Stuart, really nice to talk to you, man. Thank you. Take care. There you go, folks. Now you know where to go to get your penis tuxedo. Lilo.com. And have a good look at yourself. Wash your hands tonight before you go to bed. In fact, let me ask you this. Has anybody ever bought you a really inappropriate kind of sex toy or some kind of thing like that that you hardly know as well on a Valentine's Day occasion? And you've gone, hang on a minute. You know, even frilly bras and knickers and stuff like that. Kind of an inappropriate present for Valentine's Day from someone that you don't know. Tell me about it. One triple three five three. Hang on, I better play this first. The following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion <laughs> is advised. Yeah, it's just uh, you've been warned, all right? Hey, Dave. Mate, I just wanted to know, do they come with a glow-in-the-dark tuxedo on? Because I know what I'm getting this Sunday. That'll be like a lightsaber. <laughs> May the force be with you. May the force skin be with you. <laughs> Stop it. Hey, Mitch, how are you, man? Hey, Phil, how you going, mate? Well, tell me about it. I've played in uh, a lot of cover bands over the years and, um, you know, just regular sort of pub stuff. And um, you get these, these girls to come back with you every now and then. And, um, mate, one of them woke up in the morning and said, look, I've got this for you. What was it? It was an electric butt plug. And she said, mate, I'm yours if you use it. <laughs> <laughs> how many hours before it started to hurt? <laughs> well, mate, I don't know. I don't even it. answer it. I don't want to know. <laughs> hey, Brian, how are you? Tell me all about this. Bloody bloke at work. Hey, Chris Kringle, you know, for Christmas. <laughs> no, what was it? You know, we open up our present. You <laughs> yeah. all my work, she happens up to deal with her. Oh, no. Yeah. And so where is it now? Well, she locked it in a locker, but I don't know if she's still got it there. In case well, an emergency, I... break the locker. <laughs> How would you like to be cryogenically frozen? Because, so basically they freeze you and then they wake you up, they revive you in a hundred years' time. Because there is the technology to do that right now. In fact, Janine's on from the cryonics place that do it. We can do this now then, yeah? Yes, absolutely. You can, right now today, sign up to be cryonically preserved and you'd have to put money into an account so that when the technology is available for you to be uh, reanimated, right. that uh, they'll be able to do that for you. Do you have to physically die or are you, can you do it while you're still alive? After you die, there's like a short time period where the cryonics team will have to go in and take your body, cool it down, and then prepare it for the preservation. So you have to clinically die. Right, okay. And then they go ahead and they preserve you. When you wake up, what about your future identity? Have you got some clothes that may still be in fashion? <laughs> Is there a plan? So you know that one day you're going to wake up and you may not have family members or friends uh, and that you'll be waking up in the future, so things will be vastly different from yeah. how you recall them. I presume that it's going to take a little bit of time to just catch yourself up, obviously, and um, get used to the time period that you're going to be waking up in and to start your new life when you're when you're awakened. So. Yeah, because you don't want to come back to life, <laughs> go to a cafe, try to check your Facebook, and people are like, Facebook? How old are you, dude? Is that an iPhone? What world are you from? People will be aware that it's going to be a, a it's going to be a different world. If you die of old age and you're reborn, you're still going to be old. What we really want to do is make it so that you don't 
have to die, and we're working on extending uh, and enhancing human life. Right. And so we want to implant a human brain into a thought-controlled robotic body. Right. So we want to come to a point where you don't have to die, where you can make the decision to, before you die, be you know, have your brain implanted into a robotic body. But wow. if you are dead, you'll have to go through the cryogenic preservation process so that when we restore your brain, we can then do the implantation into a robotic body, and then you continue on from there. This is what I want. I want to have the brain, but I want to come back extremely buff and well-endowed. So <laughs> if you can just write that down on my form. You know, there's going to be really uh, a lot of creative ways to use the technology and to uh, enhance your senses, you know. And I want hair. I want hair like Fabio. <laughs> you make a note of that when you sign up. Yeah, let, give me a couple of days to think about it. I don't want to do an impulse <laughs> freezing, course. you know. I know, of course. <laughs> Great to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a beautiful world, isn't it? All right, here we go. Cops are looking for two thieves who raided a lorry on an industrial estate and took off with a haul of $20,000 worth of nappy cream. Apparently they took two pallets of V45 cream from the back of a lorry. They sped off in a Ford Transit van. Police are looking for them, and we're looking for this. Are you ready? Here we go. What's that, <laughs> I can't wait for this one. All right, so thieves steal $20,000 worth of nappy cream. Apparently the cops said it was a clean getaway. That was good. Yeah, why, what have you got? The cop said it was a rash decision. Oh, rash decisions, good. I could be suffering from punchline envy here. Um, cops say that these thieves have definitely rubbed them up the wrong way. Oh, hey, you I'm win. back, yeah, all right, what have you got? What's that wow, how many phone calls have we got coming through here? What have you got, Michelle? They haven't that caught the thieves yet, but the investigation's running very smoothly. <laughs> I applaud Thank that. You. Hey, Paul! Hey, Phil! What's the punchline? The stage slipped through the crash. <laughs> Thank you. How are you, Stephen? Not too bad, sir. What have you got? Police said it was a sticky situation. Sticky situation. And they don't want to get their hands dirty. No, they don't. Hey, Dan! The police found discarded nappies at the scene, and the suspects were presumed cranky and arrested for resisting a rest. Resisting a rest! It works on so many different levels! It does. Dave! The police are looking for two men who are believed to be highly irrational <laughs> and dangerous. Two punchlines in one. Well, irrationally was really it. Okay, Brian, what have you got? The police say they were done over by a really slick crack team. Slick and crack. Thank you. And I've still got ten more people on hold. Gazzo with a goss. Alice Cooper's putting together an all-star tribute for Lemmy from Motorhead at the upcoming Grammys. Lemmy was a friend of his. He's a great person. He's a friend of Alice Cooper's. I, don't, I can't think of any better supergroup tribute, really. Johnny Depp there. Well, there's a surprise. Johnny well, Depp. Well, yeah, this is all the Alice Cooper's, you know, know. dead friends uh, society. Thing. I know, but Johnny Depp will turn up to the opening of the head wound. But you know what? Alice Cooper defended Johnny Depp and said he's a really great guitarist. Hey, I heard that. Yeah, we'll feel, yeah. hear a bit of that in a sec. Uh, yeah. Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Tommy Henriksen, Bruce Whitkin. I, I'll just talk about people I know. Uh, Guns N' Roses members Matt Sorum and Duff mm. McKagan. It's a super group. They're going to play. Maybe Alice Cooper said he might do a bit of Ace of Spades. Okay. But you're right. Uh, Alice does speak highly of Johnny Depp. He's a good guitar player. Yes, Very good guitar player. In fact, he plays on almost every track of, uh, of the Hollywood Vampires album. But he's one of the main guitar players on the album as guitar player, not as an actor. You know, he's he's just a really good player. Well, it might be a reason to watch the Grammys. Well, that and, you know, I like watching Beyonce sing. Did you see Gaga doing the American anthem, though? Was it I, good? I changed my mind about her when I saw it. She can sing. I just wish occasionally she'd just flop it out so we can find out whether it's true or not. <laughs> You're still recycling that rumour. So that's the highest and most response we've ever had for a what's the punchline yet and I've still got a whole bunch of people on the phone wanting to give me the punchline for the thieves who stole $20,000 worth of nappy cream and on Twitter as well and on Twitter at the rubber room AU Jake has said please say the offenders will be given a serve of rough justice oh rough justice right there ladies and gentlemen what's the punchline but loads of people on the phone so, Clay, what's the punchline for the thieves stealing 20 grand's worth of nappy rash? Taking that much nappy cream, they must have been shitting themselves. <laughs> Dwayne, what's the punchline? Inmates everywhere are eagerly awaiting their capture. Thank you, Bubba. No worries. What is it, Dave? Uh, the cops have put a $50,000 reward out for the red ball bandits. 
You put too much thought into that. It scares me. <laughs> Stewie, what's the punchline? They managed to get away but have got not much to shave for their efforts. Clever. Cheers. Mick, what have you got? Mate, the stash was later found in the red light district. Still working that one out. Tim, what have you got for me? It sounds like these criminals are just itching to be caught. Itching to be caught and you're the one who picked it up. <laughs> ben, what's the punchline? Hey. Uh, the Nabster Gangsters. The what? Nabster Gangsters. Like, nab- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, Rebecca. Police are on the hunt for two men with irresistibly smooth, kissable baby bottoms. Spoken like a true mum of two. Three. Richard. First it was formula frenzy, now babies left irritated by senseless fear. Senseless uh, everything. It was a headline. You should work for the Daily Mirror. <laughs> Peter. They won't be receiving a slap on the wrist, but more like a slap on the bottom. <laughs> and loving it. And feeling the long arm of the law. <laughs> There's the punchline. What's the punchline? Should we see what's making news in the world wide web? Let's take a trip through the world wide web. And we will see what we see, yeah. No pair of shoes or a loaf of bread. It's that for you, it's your destiny, yeah. I love this. A reporter's going up to Farah Abraham, who's a reality TV contestant. She was in 16 and Pregnant. She's released a sex tape, which is essentially what she was here at this thing to promote. But this reporter has absolutely no idea who she is. I am here with the lovely... Farah Abraham. Hi, guys. Now, Farah, let me ask you a question. What is your favorite set experience that you've ever had? Um, I haven't had a set experience, so that's funny. Oh, you haven't had a set experience? I'm known for a celebrity sex tape. That's what I'm known for, so I'm not... I'm an idiot, yes. It's okay. Okay, so you're known for celebrity sex tape, okay. And, um, well, who is the celebrity? I am. I, I think this is probably the worst f***ing interview I've ever had. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Okay, no, and she's called me out on my shit. All right. So um, let me ask a question. Who do you think is going to win best, uh, best Actor this year? Do you think it'll be Leo DiCaprio for Revenant? I don't even know who's up for it. Uh, do you think Leo has a chance? Have you seen The Revenant yet? No. So Leo, who is he and why do you believe he'll win? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. for his, oh. oh my God. I don't know where or what we're talking about. <laughs> this is actually going perfect, actually. <laughs> um, so there you go. The interview went absolutely nowhere. But I can understand and empathize with that because a similar thing happened to me when the boss said to me, you know, at the radio station I was working at, you got to go and interview Destiny's Child. And I'm like, what, who? And he goes, oh, you know, Beyonce. It's, I don't know who that is. What am I going to ask them? He's just going to ask them, you know, just improvise. Be ugly, Phil, you know, be wacky. And I took that literally. So anyway, I got back to the radio station. Everyone's angry as hell. The record company, program directors yelling at me. And he says, what did you say to Destiny's Child? And I said, oh, well, I was wearing this shirt that was polyester and it was rubbing really badly on my nipple. And just so I said to Destiny's Child, would you like to see my infected nipple? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this thing uh, keeps scraping up against my nipple all day. Does that ever happen to you guys? Do you ever have a <laughs> no? Um, unless it's a really uncomfortable shirt. Because you wear some pretty, uh, you know, skimpy outfits on stage. Say skimpy. Okay, skanky. Showing us your nipple is skanky. Uh. And so you're not feeling very warm in here right now, which is strange because I thought you were the hottest R&B act in the world. Okay. okay. Right. By the way, is Beyonce French for trampoline? Oh my God! No. <laughs> I thought there were some good questions in there. What? It was a long time ago. You weren't the producer then. (laughs) You're not even going to touch that one? I'm not going near it. Right, good. Bit like my nipple and Beyonce. Ugly Phil, and I don't like to call you that. I'm just listening to that Beyonce shit, and that was the funniest stuff I've heard in a long time, that interview. I'm 60 years of age. I go from you to Country FM to all that stuff. I like what I hear. If I I feel funny about it or happy about it, I'll listen to it. I cover everything. That was cool shit. I've got to tell you, one of my pet hates is reality TV for so many different reasons. One, because when you see shows like Breaking Bad and House of Cards and 
making a murderer, Orange is the New Black. You see how creative and intelligent we can be with television, and yet we seem, especially in this country, concerned with just plumbing the depths of banal and inane shit that just comes on every night. Reality shows about painting a wall or cooking a souffle or somebody's dog that can roll on the floor. And I just wonder, and also the people that are in reality TV, you know, who then aspire to want my job, and I've got an issue with that. But anyway, I've got Dr. John Demartini on the phone, and he's a human behavioural expert currently in Australia. Now, we could talk about a lot of things, John, but I really, the one I want to talk about is reality TV. That's a great one. I love it. You know, when I first saw Big Brother, I was living in London back in 2000, and Big Brother came on London TV, and I think it was one of the very first franchises after Survivor. I was amazed at how popular it became, but I remember thinking at the time, well, this is going to be a short-lived idea, and this bubble's going to burst. And here we are, 16 years later, and people are still enamoured by the whole concept of reality TV. Sometimes they're identifying with the issues that the people are facing in their own lives, and they're actually glued to see how they process through it and solve their own problem. So part of it is that. Right. Sometimes they're actually identifying with the overdog or the underdog in the reality TV. It's like a, a football game. When they see the winning or the losing side, they support the loser and they go after the winner and they cut them down. Yeah. So there's a reaction that initiates. They're parts of their own self they're seeing identified. And I think it's part of the dumbing down process because we look at TV to be a leader in our education. And I don't know what it's like in America, but here in Australia, all we have on TV is reality TV. And it really is the lowest common denominator. And I wonder whether or not this is, you know, perhaps the paranoid me getting involved in some kind of grand plan to dumb everybody down. Because essentially, (laughs) that's what it does. There is a fact in the, the research on this particular thing that the dumber it is, the more it spreads. There's an old proverb that says that by the time the truth puts on its shoes, the delusions have spread across the world. So the dumber it is, the more people can go, I feel better about myself. These people are real idiots. This was started back with the Rockefellers back in their times in the States. They made sure that they built drones and worker bees, not entrepreneurs and leaders. It's easier to manage. So there's some truth in what you're saying, but I don't know who's behind it. (laughs) If we don't empower ourselves and build a brand around our own lives, we're going to subordinate to things we see on TV to try to make us feel better about ourselves. But why would anybody, unless of course we've all become so narcissistic, think that ordinary people are interesting and our lives are interesting to the mass public? I always tell people, it's instead of comparing yourself to others, it's wise to compare your daily actions to what you're inspired by. But most people compare themselves to others and put people up or down instead of put them in the heart. Reality TV is a way of doing that. You put people up or down, it can give you different feelings and give you a check back on your own self. But what does it say about us as a society when young girls want to be a Kardashian? Yeah, I guess because of fame. I think people have this uh, yearning to want that fame and fortune. And the reality is that their life has got shambles. And if people actually realize what the challenges that they face, they may not fantasize about their lives. But a lot of these people don't have the recourse as well. As soon as the show's over, then they're just abandoned. They're dumped because there's no appetite for them from the networks anymore. And I wonder what happens to the psyche of these people who have uh, immediately become sort of embraced by everybody and then a week later nobody knows who they are Um, exactly i worked with the 13 super bowl players in football that had super fame for that night and then shortly after that they weren't even on football teams and they had to go get jobs in multi-level groups insurance companies car sales they had lost their identity and it was torturing to them they couldn't handle it it was very very depressing for them so some of these reality tv people are facing the letdown of being a star and then it fades yeah. And then they have to go back to their daily life. I always say that you've got to be able to embrace both sides of life if you want to master your life. I think that it'd be probably wise to have a training system before they go on reality TV show to make them face this reality. Some of it is script. They can see that it's partly scripted as they go through it. And they're just, they're kind of guinea pigs on what's needed in the marketplace. What would you like to promote while I've got you here on the phone? Because you've got so many different things. Probably the only thing that I'm interested in promoting is just letting people know to go to the website because it's an educational website. My website, drdmartini.com, is designed to help people build brands around themselves instead of living as a consumer of other people's brands. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share because I think it's an important piece. No, you're welcome. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much, Dr. John Dimartini there. All right. Sex toy prices right time. Michael's our contestant. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Phil. How are you? Do you know much about these products? Well, I mean, I dabble. All right. Steve's here from the adult shop. Steve, thanks for taking part in this. 
Yeah, no worries, mate. It's cool. Okay, Michael, you've got to get three out of four prices right in the sex toy prices right competition in order to win yourself. All, All right. right, I reckon I can do this. All right, well, good luck. Adjustable nipple clamps. $45.45 or $60.45? Oh, adjustable. Yeah. I think that's going to push the price up to $60.45. Steve? $45.45 is the answer. I don't think you can have yeah. a one nipple, one size clamp, but I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, you can. Oh, apparently you can, you can. right. I okay. thought you could. Well, I guess, you know, when you think about it, that does make sense. For $45.45, I'd, I'd recommend those adjustable ones. I've never had a problem attaching them to a car battery. All right, here's your second one. The Agent 69 life-size love doll. Is that $1,005.45 or $346.45 for the Agent 69 life-size love doll, Michael? Well, it's life-size. You didn't say anything about realistic, so I'm going to go with $395.45. $346.45. Yeah, well, I hope you like the smell of latex. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely correct. $346.45. Wow, who would have believed latex would be so cheap? The 10-function advanced explorer kit in black. Is that $44.95 or $83.95? Is that kind of like a Barbie Ken doll thing? I'm going to go with the $44 option. Well, it's a bit like a porno Barbie, I suppose you could say, and uh, also gets Ken's rocks off too. Yeah, it's one of our very popular selling items. Because it's under $50, you're right, $44.95, both from the ladies and the men, and it's uh, multi-purpose. Get the next one right, and you're in, so to speak. All right. The 1.5-inch extender in flesh colour, is that $60.95 or $30.95? Ooh, OK. An extender. I'm thinking because it's flesh colour, I'm going to go with $60.95. Boom, as they say in the plastic. Oh, are you kidding? It's only $30.95. It's available in two forms of fluoro. Is it more expensive oh. in fluoro? No, it's the same price. Done me in there. I yeah. would have thought it would have been more in the flesh colour. Nah. Damn it. Well, as we say in the adult store industry there, Michael, you've bummed out. There's always the next toy. Can I just give my uh, little plug for something too? We're having a sale on video head cleaner, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! Oh,